Dear Cheap Astronomy, What sort of astronomy is undertaken on the International Space Station? Conducting astronomy as you orbit the Earth 19 times a day, as the International Space Station does, has its challenges. But the Hubble Space Telescope orbits 15 times a day and still manages to do cutting-edge optical astronomy. Its entire design is built around the need to stay locked on a target for up to 24 hours if need be, all thanks to Hubble's pointing control system, which is composed of reaction wheels and magnetic torques. The standard line is that if the Hubble telescope was in Los Angeles, it could hold a beam of light on a dime in San Francisco. However, you just can't do this on the ISS, since it's full of moving parts, people floating around, spaceships docking, the occasional engine fire to maintain orbit, all of which causes a lot of wobbling, notwithstanding the station doesn't have a pointing control system. But you can still do astronomy on the International Space Station, for example by monitoring non-optical wavelengths, as well as operating particle detectors. In these contexts, the goal is mostly just raw detection and measurement of energy levels, rather than worry about focusing on single points to achieve long exposure times. Nonetheless, the Neutron Star Interior Composition Explorer, which NASA somehow acronyms into NISA, can actually lock onto targets. NISA scans the sky for X-ray emissions, and when it finds one, it can identify the source by first using the GPS satellite network to accurately time the position and location of an X-ray source, and once the position of the X-ray source is confirmed, NISA can lock onto that point in the sky using its star tracker for alignment and a motorised gimbal system. NISA generally scans three or four targets per orbit, steadily building up a database on those sources with each pass. The monitor for all-sky X-ray image, MAXI, is an instrument installed by JAXA, the Japanese space agency. It uses a different approach for X-ray astronomy, undertaking an ongoing survey of almost the entire sky as the International Space Station orbits the Earth every 96 minutes in its laterally shifting orbit. X-ray sources such as X-ray pulsars and accreting black holes are often transient events, meaning they could be easily missed if we aren't continuously scanning the sky for them. Another JAXA instrument is CALET, the Calimetric Electron Telescope, which is mostly a particle detector for cosmic rays, which are composed of high-energy electrons, protons and heavier nuclei, although it can also detect gamma rays, which are high-energy electromagnetic radiation. CALET's objectives are to better understand cosmic rays and their sources as well as to find evidence of dark matter, something it's still trying to unequivocally do. And in that same space, there's the AMS, the Alpha Magnetic Spectrometer, which is a CERN instrument. Yes, those same folk that brought you the Large Hadron Collider also have a space toy. The AMS detects cosmic rays and can also detect antimatter and as a consequence has found a remarkable number of positrons are mixed up in cosmic rays. 
This has raised lots of speculation about the antimatter positrons being the product of dark matter annihilation. As we've discussed previously on this podcast, the concept of dark matter annihilation does seem a bit like grasping at straws. There's certainly a hefty weight of circumstantial evidence for dark matter's existence in the rotation of galaxies and gravitational lensing, for example. But it seems as though dark matter is invisible, transparent, and really only interacts with other things via gravitation, all of which makes it frustratingly difficult to observe directly. So by speculating that dark matter particles might annihilate with themselves we at least get something to look for. Current dark matter annihilation fallout candidates range from positrons to strangelets and to axions, which are themselves largely hypothetical particles. Dark matter theorists don't seem to often talk about why dark matter might annihilate with itself in the first place. This does seem odd behaviour, for particles which otherwise represent about 85% of all the matter in the universe. You'd think all that self-annihilation would start reducing its numbers somewhat. But anyway, this is how science works. We start with a few wild ideas, steadily debunk most of them, and then see what's left. So as always, it's best just to watch this space. Something we can do very effectively from the International Space Station.